Welcome to the Missionary on the Mountain podcast, where we discuss all the pertinent social, religious, and political topics of the day. Join us weekly for scripture, news, interviews, and insight into the issues that matter to you. Broadcasting from 8,000 feet deep within the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, consistently conservative and unapologetically Christian, here is your host, the Missionary on the Mountain, Kenny Easton. Hello everyone and welcome back. I am the Missionary on the Mountain, Kenny Easton. Thank you for joining us today. If you are new here, please subscribe. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for joining us. And if this is not your first time here, thanks for being back with us. We are so happy that you're back. Um, Go ahead, hit the like button, leave a review if you are listening to the podcast version. Uh, If you are on YouTube, please hit the like button, Um, and we look forward to hearing your feedback. So if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can email me at missionaryonthemountain at gmail.com, or you can send us a Facebook message. That always works. Um, We want to grow this podcast and spread Christian and conservative ideals throughout our great nation and the best and easiest way for us to do that is for you to smash the like button so go ahead and do that now um and also share missionary on the mountain uh, on social media or wherever you listen to podcasts so i always appreciate your feedback like i said i also appreciate kind words prayer requests things like that you can send all of that to the email missionary on the mountain at gmail. Um, also, we'd like your input for this podcast. How can we make things better? What would you like to hear about? What would you like to talk about? And what would you like me to chat about? So, um, the Missionary on the Mountain podcast, as always, is available on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to your podcasts, Google, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Today's agenda today is all about politics with the election coming up in only five days today is of course thursday i believe it is the 29th of october um the election is this coming tuesday so we're going to be talking all things politics 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 um so if scandals polls politicians politics court judges the supreme court debates are your thing then you're in for a treat if that is not your thing i apologize Uh, Instead of the usual deep dive into a well-researched topic today, we are going to give a lot of opinion. A lot of my opinions are what you're going to get today um, of all of these politically relevant topics. But to start today's episode, let's go ahead and cover a little familiar ground and see what's going on at camp. Mission update. So... Those of you who are new, I am a missionary. I serve as the director of a camp up in the mountains of southwest Colorado. We live at about 8,000 feet, so winter begins early for us up here. We had our first snow of the year this past week, um, the final week of October, like I just said, and it happened to be the single largest snowfall that Jennifer and I have seen since we moved up here. We had a total of about 14 inches fall in 24 hours Um, and luckily we were prepared for this kind of thing. So we already had a bunch of wood split. Um, I swept our chimney and I may make a video on that at some point. 
Um, we drained all the water lines on camp. We winterized everything on camp so that nothing is charged with water anymore and nothing's going to freeze. We got antifreeze in the places we need antifreeze and blew out with water or with air what we could um, or what we needed to. So uh, what else? Our chickens, they are happy enough and healthy enough, but they have slowed down their egg laying since the cold snap hit. We had uh, one day where we didn't get above 18 degrees and the nights were in the single digits every night for about three days. So uh, egg produ production is down a little bit, but we have 17 chickens and we're still getting about eight to nine eggs a day, which is not terrible. Uh, once they get used to the cold, the production will spike back up. So prior to the storm, we had a wonderfully successful teen ladies retreat where multiple generations of Christian women and ladies gathered to fellowship, um, build each other up in their faith. And it was a beautiful weekend and a wonderful way to wrap up our camp season. Um, after that, we welcomed in hunters, as we often do, uh, bow hunters through the month of September. And then we had rifle hunters since then. Um, we have great elk, deer, turkey, bear hunting here on camp and then in our immediate vicinity. Um, usually our hunting is a prime location for those animals. This year things were kind of sparse, although we did have a lot of bears, um, but most of our hunters did not tag out uh, just a couple bears. Speaking of bears, our chicken coop um, that has been bear-free, attack-free anyway, uh, for the recent memory, uh, ever since our last attack where we lost multiple chickens and had to take a couple shots at the bear, we put up an electric fence, and that seems to be enough to have deterred the bear. Uh, so our chickens are good. Let's see, the next big camp event is our Christmas concert. That is going to be on Sunday, December 13th at 3 p.m. We would love to have you guys up here. If you can be in the southwest Colorado area, we'd love to have you up here. It's going to be a great evening of music, joy, food, fellowship, and fun. Um, if you can make it out to southwest Colorado, please, please, please come join us. Send me an email if you want more details. It's free. Um, there's going to be food. Uh, and like I said, some really great music and some scripture as well. So um, let's go ahead and talk news. Extra, extra news from the pews. So like I said, today it's politics, politics, politics. Um, let's start with the election. The 2020 election is coming up. That is President uh, Donald Trump versus former Vice President Joe Biden. Um, that is going to happen, like I said, this coming Tuesday, November 3rd. Polls have Trump down uh, nationally, but he's also gaining in the swing states. And actually, if you stack up the polls this time around, look very, very similar to 2016's polls with Hillary Clinton. And of course, we know how that went. Trump won in the Electoral College pretty handily. I think he had over 300 Electoral College votes. Uh, so... <clears throat> couple anecdotes while we're on the subject of the election. Uh, Jen and I went bowling last night and we ran into two young gentlemen from Las Vegas who had just moved out to our town and uh, they were both wearing Trump hats and we both commented on their Trump hats and said, you know, hey, we, we like those. And um, so these are young guys. These are early 20s guys um, out there stumping for Trump. So uh, that's one anecdote, but then the cooler one is that we were walking around uh, on last Saturday. We were walking around our town, 
And I've heard about all these Trump parades, all of these um, parades for Trump with boats or with cars or with trucks. Well, it turns out that our town had a truck Trump parade. And uh, Jen and I were estimating that it was between 150 and 200 vehicles riding up and down Main Street, up and down towns in the main two streets in our town uh, with Trump flags and music blaring and people leaning out and waving signs and flags and homemade signs and kids and um, it was awesome. It was very cool. People honking horns. Uh, Jen and I stopped like many others on the curb on the corner to, to wave and see what was going on. And uh, it was very cool to see that in action. And that really gave us an encouragement for the enthusiasm that is out there for President Trump and what that means for the coming election. So those are my two little anecdotes. But um, like I said, he's down in the polls, but so was he last time. So here's my brief opinion on the records of these two candidates. First, we have Joe Biden, who he spent 47 plus years in politics. He has been the vice president for eight years. He was a senator for many, many years before that. Um, currently, he is wrapped up in multiple scandals, including Hunter Biden's laptop, which incriminates him in multiple different things. But we haven't seen the full extent of what is on that laptop yet. Um, and then more importantly, taking money pay-for-play kind of style from foreign companies that answer to foreign governments, uh, especially China, Ukraine, and then there's a few others. Uh, so right now, Joe Biden is wrapped up in quite the scandal. Um, he also helped pass multiple crime bills when in the U.S. Senate, uh, which helped to incarcerate, incarcerate primarily young black men at a disproportional rate to uh, creating a father-sized hole in many black communities and homes, um, households, and workplaces. So Joe has contributed to the fatherless epidemic in the black community. Uh, his running mate, Kamala Harris, used those same crime bills to keep low-level, non-violent criminals, mostly low-level drug offenders, behind bars as long as possible, often longer than was necessary or justified. So Biden was vice president under Barack Obama, as you know, and was one of the most noticeably inactive vice presidents in all of American history. He did almost nothing. In fact, if you go and ask your average person, your average friend or family member, what did Joe Biden do while he was vice president? They can't hardly name anything. Helped on Obamacare, maybe. Well, it's not called Biden care, and it wasn't any good anyway. So um, he didn't do much. He was one of the least active vice presidents in history. And the fact that this is the best candidate that the Democratic Party can muster um, is, I don't know, it's embarrassing, quite frankly, and arguably uh, his running mate may even be worse than embarrassing. So um, President Trump, let's get into him. So he's been in politics for not 47, but four years, going on four years. He passed the First Step Act, giving low-level drug offenders whose lives and families were ruined and uprooted by these crime bills that Joe Biden helped pass, uh, mandatory minimums and things like that, uh, different sentencing for crack cocaine versus powder cocaine. Um, all of these were passed into law by Joe Biden and his buddies and his contemporaries, whereas Trump passed this First Step Act to give those people a second chance. Um, President Trump uh, presided over the lowest unemployment for blacks, for Hispanics, and for women in the history of our country. Lowest unemployment for those groups, and I think overall, in the history of our country. 
Um, Trump's economy gave us record highs in all of the stock markets. Our 401ks and our stock portfolios boomed under Trump. And then, of course, China unleashed this pandemic on the world. Uh, initial estimates from the top medical experts in the world, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, predicted over 2.2 million deaths from COVID-19. That's 2.2 million Americans would die if they didn't take action. Well, Trump did take action. President Trump to, uh, took early and effective action to close down the borders to China, travel to and from China. He shut down early on, and people like Joe Biden, specifically Joe Biden, called him xenophobic for shutting down the border to China or shutting down travel to and from China. <clears throat> and then subsequently after that, he shut down travel to and from Europe. This might have saved countless lives. We don't know how many. He then fast-tracked vaccination and therapeutic research and development with Operation Warp Speed, producing the fastest path possible to a mass-produced, effective, and safe vaccine in the shortest possible time frame. So to this point, the president has saved nearly 2 million American lives, according to the standards set by the experts, including Dr. Fauci and Burks. All the while, the media and the left smear him as ineffective and a heartless monster, which, of course, is mindless dribble. So the clear choice, in my opinion, of course, is to choose... Donald J. Trump as the president for the next four years of our beautiful constitutional republic. So speaking of our constitutional republic, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed to the Supreme Court this week. To tell you a little bit about Amy Coney Barrett, or ACB as she's being affectionately called, she's a wife, um, she is a judge from the 7th District Court of, B of Appeals, um, and is a mother of seven beautiful children, two of which are adopted from Haiti. She graduated top of her class and then taught at Notre Dame, um, a, a school close to my heart. One of my very best friends, John, went to Notre Dame. Um, she clerked for the late constitutional originalist and Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, who passed away at the end of Obama's last term, which we will talk about here shortly. So, why such controversy over such a qualified nominee? She checks all the boxes, so why the controversy? Well, let me lay out the timeline for you. So A, Scalia dies, like I said, Antonin Scalia dies in an election year, right? When Obama is serving his last term, he's on his way out, he's a lame duck president. So Obama nominates Merrick Garland. Now, the Republican-controlled Senate won't confirm that close to an election, or at least that's why they say they won't confirm um, with a lame duck president. They said there's no point. We're going to let the next president pick this nominee. So instead, Trump wins, as we all know, beat Hillary and gets to fill Antonin Scalia's seat, which he does with Neil Gorsuch. Now, his next appointment, Trump picks Brett Kavanaugh. And if you were watching, the way that they, the left treated Kavanaugh was despicable. They drug his name through the mud, accused him of things like gang rape when he was in high school and college um, without any evidence at all. And then, of course, this Blasey Ford story um, 
disappeared as soon as he found his way to the Supreme Court. So um, the left tried to destroy Kavanaugh, and but he was confirmed, of course, along party lines. So during the last few months before, before this upcoming election, um, RGB, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, passes away. And she was a titan in the legal world. So I'm, I'm not trying to disparage her in any way. I may not agree with her philosophically on a lot of things, but she was a powerhouse. She did a lot for women's rights, um, and she should be admired for the things that she achieved in her life. Um, she was also, incidentally, best friends with Antonin Scalia. They were both opera buffs and bonded over that, and so kind of an interesting dichotomy there. Um, so RGB dies and leaves a vacancy on the court, apparently vocalizing, which I don't know if I believe this or not, but she apparently vocalized her last wish to be that the next president after this current president, after Trump, would fill her seat. Who knows how true that was? I don't know that I buy it. Um, which she was also, she was a, a legal scholar. She was a constitutionalist. She understood that that is not the process laid out in the Constitution. So, Article 2, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution, known as the Appointments Clause, says, and I quote, that the President shall nominate, by and with the consent of the Senate, judges of the Supreme Court, end quote, among various other appointments. Um, I can't find anything in there, in Article 2, Section 2, about dying wishes needed to be granted by Supreme Court judges. So how it goes is Trump then nominates Amy Coney Barrett. Um, so what's the problem? The problems are, one, it's an election year. And that's what the Republicans last time around claimed was the reason that they weren't going to bring Merrick Garland's nomination to the Senate floor to discuss, advise, and consent. So it's an election year. Two, the Republicans said that they wouldn't confirm a justice that close to the election last time around, like I said. So now... They have to justify this flip-flop. Um, so here's my take on it, is that they should have just been honest up front, right? Last time around, back in 2016, um, they should have been honest about their perfectly justifiable reason to not want to confirm Merrick Garland, which, of course, was because the Republicans control the Senate. They are in charge of the advise and consent process. So if they weren't going to consent, they didn't need to. But they had to give that as the reason. They couldn't say that it was just because it was an election year. So they screwed up there, in my opinion. Um, so they were willing, what they should have said is they weren't willing to let Obama or, uh, or anyone else appoint a liberal judge, a liberal Supreme Court justice who was going to legislate from the bench like they, they want to to push their leftist agenda. Um, they wanted... A constitutionalist. They wanted somebody who was going to follow the Constitution, an originalist who was going to follow it as written and not legislate from the bench. So they should have just told that from the beginning. They should have just said, we don't want this to negatively affect the future of the judiciary. They should have just come out and said it, but they didn't. So they screwed up there. So now, like I said, instead they have to face down their own hypocrisy and kind of bite the bullet um, for the good of our country. And even though they flip-flopped, make and it made them look bad, they needed to get Amy Coney Barrett passed for the exact same reason that they flip-flopped, because it's important for the future of our republic, for the future of the judiciary. So now this procedural disagreement is the only argument. 
um, the left can muster. This this whole, well, we shouldn't do it till after the election kind of argument is the only one that the left can muster against Amy Coney Berry at ACB because she's great. I watched all of the hearings and she is nothing less than brilliant. She's eloquent. She's knowledgeable of the law. She She's kind. There were some examples, um, one of a, of a blind student who uh, Amy helped a lot in her educational process and ended up being a clerk. Um, a very great story. You should look that one up if you haven't seen it. Um, she gave flawless answers to all of the ridiculous, dumbest, most leading questions from some truly idiotic senators like Maisie Hirono and Kamala Harris. But she did so with grace and with humility and with poise. And I, I could not have been more impressed with Amy Coney Barrett. She will be a phenomenal, phenomenal addition to the Supreme Court. So long story short, Justice Amy Coney Barrett now sits on the Supreme Court of the United States for a lifetime appointment. And I think it's one of the best appointments that Trump could have possibly made and has ever made. God bless Amy Coney Barrett as she blesses our country with her unparalleled legal mind. So let's get on to the debates. The first one was hard to watch, um, with the moderator being so clearly biased and the constant interrupting, but the second presidential debate was much, much better. Uh, President Trump came off as much more polished and poised and sharper than he had been in the prior debate to me, and he looked to have 10 times the energy of sleepy Joe Biden. So by the end of the debate, Biden looked wore out, he looked tired, he, he stumbled, he bumbled, um, more and more as the debate went on. He looked relatively sharp as it started, but towards the end, he just couldn't put together a full sentence without stumbling and bumbling. So um, I think that Trump's best moment was when Joe tried to accuse him of racism and xenophobia, as he, people always do to Trump with no cause, by saying that he separates families at the border, to which Trump, of course, replied, no, that was you. We ended that practice. Who built the cages, Joe? And, of course, then Biden tried to defer to the different question, but Trump pressed and asked again, who built the cages, Joe? Who built the cages, Joe? Um, I thought that was a fantastic moment. Uh, of course, then the moderator rescued Joe and moved on to the next subject. So second to that moment was when Trump got Biden to admit that he would decimate the oil and gas industry and end fracking, um, while at the same time claiming to have never said that he would outlaw fracking. Um, but, of course, Trump posted videos the next day of him saying exactly that, um, which Biden challenged him to do because he couldn't remember that he had said that. Um, anyway, all in all, it was a good debate for Trump, I thought. Uh, but as is the usual case, the fake news media came to the defense of the Democrat and tried to paint it as a win for Joe Biden, even though it was not the case. And any honest person who watched that debate even a partisan leftist would call it a tie at best, if not leaning Trump's way. Uh, so that covers the debates. Let's move on to stimulus money. So hopefully all of you have got your stimulus checks from Flast Cares Act. Um, if not, you should be contacting the IRS to get that. It should come whatever way your tax return check came. So either direct deposit or in the mail. It just depends on how that went. If you have not got that, contact your, your uh, IRS and they will figure that out for you, hopefully. But they've been trying to pass another stimulus act. And so far, it's been unsuccessful. Um, they didn't get anywhere for months and months. They've been working on this for since July. People need money. It's a hard 
hard world out there right now. 2020 is a difficult year for everybody. And the fact that they are now at home campaigning for the president or campaigning for whoever uh, their own seat or whoever they're representing this time around um, is an embarrassment. Uh, American people are either sitting at home or wondering where their next paycheck is going to come from, or they don't have enough unemployment, or you know, it, there's 900,000 different situations of families that are struggling right now. And government, you're the one that put the families in this situation. It is your responsibility to help them get out of it. If you're going to tell people they can't work and they can't open their businesses and they can't put food on their family's tables, then you need to pay them to stay home. We didn't choose this pandemic. We didn't choose to stay home. Okay, so we need some help. If you're going to take our tax money, you need to provide services when we desperately need them. And that's right now. Get the stimulus checks out to the people. This is ridiculous. And Nancy Pelosi you're the one holding it up, and we're sick of your nonsense. Get up to the table. Talk to Mnuchin. Talk to who you need to talk to, and then get it on the Senate floor, or get it on the House floor, then get it to the Senate, and then Mitch McConnell, do your job, pass it, and the president has already said he wants to sign it. He wants to get checks out to the people. So government, go do your job. You're not doing your job. Go do your job. So far, it doesn't look like they're going to get anything passed. Um, and Nancy has said it may be as late as February if they win the election. So <clears throat> let's move on to something else. The move to negate the Electoral College and institute a national popular vote for the presidency specifically. Um, let me explain why that's really, really stupid. We live in a constitutional republic, the United States of America. Each state chooses to take part in this union. Each state chooses to keep its autonomy, but take part in this union to the extent um, that each state keeps its autonomy to the extent that it can abide by federal law, that its laws can remain harmonious with the federal law. So laws and responsibilities not specifically enumerated in the United States Constitution are left up to the individual states, thus creating 50 unique testing grounds for ideas and 50 distinctly different places for citizens to live. So different tax rates and codes, different approaches to education and health care, different speed limits and different traffic laws, different alcohol and tobacco ages and regulations, etc., etc., this system has a name. It is called a federalist system, which is at the heart of our constitutional republic. So in our constitutional republic, the people of each state democratically elect officials to represent their will in a legislative body, the Congress. In the U.S. Congress, we have two houses, the House of Representatives and the Senate. In order to best represent the individual sovereign states, and their populations, the House is reflective of state population, and the Senate is equally representative by state. In other words, the Senate has two senators for each of the 50 states, giving each state an equal say in, the chamber, in that specific chamber of Congress, 100 senators. <clears throat> the House of Representatives, however, 
is population-based. So New York, California, the bigger populous states have a far bigger representation than, say, Montana or Kansas, who have much smaller uh, populations. So the Electoral College works similarly. The people of each state vote democratically on which presidential candidate they think the electoral votes from each state, from their state, should go towards. So how they split those votes is up to the state because it's one of those things that is not enumerated in the Constitution. Each state, it's left up to them. So some states split their electoral votes between candidates, and if the vote is split, then other states, <clears throat> or sorry, they split their electoral votes if the popular vote in their state is split. They'll split those votes accordingly. Other states have different laws, and their laws, they say that all the votes go towards, or the electoral votes in the electoral college go toward whoever got the majority of the votes in their state. Um, still other states, and this is kind of a popular thing now, are pushing forward legislation toward all of their state's electoral votes, not according to any votes in their state, but to the winner of the national popular vote, regardless of how the people of that state voted. So unfortunately, that is the nonsense that our governor, Governor uh, Polis here in Colorado, is trying to shove down our throats. Of course, he's not trying to do it through a proper legisl uh, legislative process. Um, he's trying to do it executively. So uh, if you're in Colorado, please assist us in throwing a fit about joining the popular vote movement. So anyway, your state awards its electoral votes. An absolute majority of those votes are needed to win the presidency. At the moment, that number is 270. So unless something has changed in the Constitution, that is how our president is and will be elected giving weighted representation to sovereign states and to their populations, and not by mob vote. The next president, be it Trump or Biden, will win it by reaching 270 votes in the Electoral College, period, end of story. So let's wrap up the news with a little bit of positive local news from right here in the courts of Colorado as you may know, our governor, uh, who I mentioned earlier here in Colorado, Jared Polis, like many other governors, specifically Democratic governors, but also some of the Republican governors, um, have done. He's been locked down or he locked down his state due to coronavirus concerns. And in doing so, he trampled many of our God given rights that were enshrined to us by law in our Constitution. So, well, a few churches here in Colorado took Governor Polis to court, claiming that his executive orders infringe on their rights to peaceably assemble and their right to worship. And as a result, two of Polis' executive orders on churches were declared unlawful. The governor's mask mandate and the in error, sorry, the governor's mask mandate at religious indoor gatherings and his capacity limits were ruled or to be um, unconstitutional. So <clears throat> there religious rights were said to have been violated. And of course, Jared Polis will appeal. Um, but this is a big win for Christians in Colorado. So churches can start functioning a little bit more normally and they're not required to mask up or uh, observe population limits. So uh, hopefully other states will follow Colorado's lead as I know a few other states already have. So with that bit of good news, let's move on to today's words of wisdom. Word.
words of wisdom. Today, our words of wisdom are from founding fathers. We have a couple good words of wisdom from a few of our founding fathers. The first one comes from John Adams. Always stand on principle, even if you stand alone. The next one from Benjamin Franklin. Well done is better than well said. This one from Thomas Jefferson. Whenever you do something, act as if all the world were watching. That one's kind of relevant today to our politicians. Uh, makes you wonder if looking back, our founding fathers could have even possibly imagined how scrutinizing our current world would be with everybody with a video camera and smartphone in their pocket. Um, it was a crazy world then, and it's gotten crazier since. So, this one from George Washington himself. Truth will ultimately prevail where there's pains to bring it to light. So that's what we try to do here at Missionary on the Mountain, is bring truth to light. So, next we have our Scripture of the Week. Scripture of the Week. Our first scripture today comes from Exodus, chapter 18, verse 21. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. The next one from Proverbs 29, verse 4. By justice a king builds up the land, but he who exacts gifts tears it down. And then this one, a familiar one that we can all live by. Galatians 5, to 23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So let's end today with prayer requests. Uh, first, please pray for and consider supporting our family, our mission, the camp, or this podcast it's been a truly rough year for everyone, so we understand if you can't give, we totally get it. But go ahead and help us out by clicking that like button and sharing this episode with your friends, with your family. Uh, wherever you watch a podcast, go ahead and give us a review. That is the best thing that you can do to help a missionary on the mountain. Hit that like button, and it will help our podcast grow and reach a larger audience. So please help us out by doing that. All of the links are in the description below, or you can go to www.infaith.org slash Kenny-Jennifer-Easton to support us directly through the mission in faith. So pray for our country and our world as we fight our way back from the recession that was caused by this pandemic. Please um, also pray for my in-laws. Uh, we lost my, my wife's grandfather to Alzheimer's this month. Um, and while it was good to reunite with loved ones and people we hadn't seen in a long time and faces from back home, it's always hard to lose a loved one, especially to such a nasty and confusing disease. So uh, keep my in-laws, Zena and Mark, um, and then uh, our grandpa's siblings, Marty, Clarissa, and then also my wife, Jennifer, in your prayers during the coming months as they continue to grieve that loss. Uh, finally, pray for our leaders, specifically President Trump as he seeks re-election and tries to simultaneously guide us through these unprecedented and trying times. 
So tune in next week for another episode and more news, more updates, more scripture and wisdom, and a special announcement regarding the Easton Library. Visit our website for the latest podcast episodes. You can read our blog there and much, much more. That is missionaryonthemountain.com. Please like, comment, share, subscribe. Find us on YouTube, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. So until next episode, thanks for listening. I am the Missionary on the Mountain, Kenny Easton. Please pray for us as we continue to pray for you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, have a safe trip down the mountain. The Missionary on the Mountain podcast is not affiliated with or supported by In Faith or any other mission or organization. We are not funded by nor beholden to anyone but our listeners. All words and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them. Find us on YouTube, social media, and your favorite podcast listening platform. Join us next week, and thanks for tuning in to the Missionary on the Mountain podcast.